0: fresh every Tuesday for MSPs around the world. This is an MSP marketing podcast special. Now more than ever before, MSPs are wanting to learn about how to grow when it comes to lead generation and marketing. Are you running a nonprofit or are you really in a position to where you've got evaluation that makes sense for all the hard work that you've done?
1: Happy Easter to you. In place of the normal show, we've got a special this week. And I was very lucky a couple of months ago to sit down face to face with someone i've talked to on the podcast before who knows an absolute ton about real life marketing for msps her name is andra hedden she's one of the owners of marketopia they're a big u.s marketing agency for msps and vendors and they've just acquired a channel marketing agency here in the uk as well now andra and her team are there in the trenches every day, generating leads for MSPs. They're there following those leads up to try to get appointments for their clients. They know what's working right now and what's not working right now. And Andrew has shared so much with me that I wanted to play the entire interview out to you in today's special, because I know that you're gonna love this. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast Special. So here we are then, Easter 2022, and we have another podcast special, and I've been allowed out of my house. I've actually traveled all the way to London, which is only 45 minutes from my home, but I'm meeting someone that, who has been on the podcast before, and I didn't think I'd actually get to meet her in person until she turns up in London. Uh, her name is Andra Hedden. You may remember her from the podcast last year, and we'll link back to that episode in the show notes, but she is... Well, I'll, do you know what, Andra? You can introduce yourself. So give us, give us a brief intro. Who are you, Andra?
0: Yes, Paul, first, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be on the podcast again. And I'm Andrew Hedden. I'm the CMO and co-founder of Marketopia. We are a lead generation and marketing firm headquartered in the US, in Florida. And now we have ventured over into the UK as well as of last year. More to come on that. I'm sure we'll talk about it, um, but it's great to be here.
1: Yes. And thank you very much for giving me 20, 30 minutes of your time to talk to you. So we sat in a, in a rather posh office block in Paddington in London, and this is the location of the agency that you've just acquired. And we'll talk about that um, at the end of the podcast. So. Before we sort of talk about Marketopia and your history and what what you've done with your business, because you've actually built an incredible business, um, and I, I can see <laughs> it's been a lot of work. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, marketing for MSPs, and I think this is what we talked about last year, yes. which was which was the trends. So, the thing you and I were just sitting chatting just before we did this mm-hmm. recording, and things are changing really fast at the moment, aren't they?
0: Obviously, there's a huge market for MSPs that need to grow and want to grow, which is the space you and I are in. There's a there's a massive need for businesses to help and assist MSPs with growth, whether that's marketing or lead generation or consulting. We got into this space initially with Marketopia because of that. We saw that MSPs really needed help growing. We understood that there was a gap with not only the, the skill set needed for marketing and sales, but then also, to the ability to help with vendor funding that's given over to partners to execute marketing. So we help on both sides of that. But, but the ultimate goal is, obviously, to help these business owners achieve their dreams is which is growing a successful MSP and we do that through lead generation and marketing support
1: and and most MSP owners struggle with their marketing which which is you know well documented Mm -hmm. and most most owners will will admit to that Um, how difficult do you think it is for an MSP to actually put their hands up and say right I, I need to get some help now
0: I think now more than ever before, MSPs are wanting to at least learn about how to grow when it comes to lead generation and marketing. When we founded Marketopia almost eight years ago now, it was based on the fact that my partner in the business and and also husband, he was an MSP and I came from the vendor and distribution side. So I came from global marketing plans. He came from being an MSP and together we saw those gaps. And at that time, there really wasn't as much of a desire. You go to the events And the packed rooms weren't the marketing rooms. Um, Now they are. So you go to events and the hottest tracks to listen to or be a part of are the ones talking about business growth, the ones talking about the ability to understand valuation in your business and what you need to do to get there in order to sell one day. We absolutely love solving this for partners. And now I think they're much more apt to want to understand. I think for many reasons, you talked before about what's changing in the space. I think a lot of the, the market is going to be looking in the next five years or so and trying to understand what they want to do with their business. Are they in the market to acquire other businesses? Are they in the market to be acquired? And with that, you have to start looking at your own business model and trying to really understand, are you running a nonprofit? Or are you really in a position to where you've got you know, a evaluation that makes sense for all the hard work that you've done? So I think that is really pushing MSPs to say, we've got to look outside of referral partners. We really have to, as much as we may not want to, we've really got to understand marketing and lead generation. And just like MSPs provide the tech service, that's IT as a service, businesses like you and I provide marketing as a service. And it's easy just to like, with tech to lean on the experts, lean on them. If you're a company, it's easy for them to lean on us to grow and and to be experts in our fields in marketing and and lead generation and sales. So I think it's coming around. I think that I'm seeing more popularity, I'm seeing more interest in just wanting to learn, wanting to understand. And I think the biggest piece of psychology is the ability to be ready to invest in yourself to grow. That, I think, has been the biggest mental block to get over because it is extremely expensive to grow. You need to spend to grow in many cases. And, and I think that investment was often looked at as an expense for MSPs with the education and enablement that's been going on the last few years. I think the MSPs are really coming around to see that it's a necessary evil in their world and, and that, that they really are trying to figure it out.
1: I love how you mentioned there running a not-for-profit because that's often unintentionally running a not-for-profit. And and I think the hardest thing, I mean, you you know, you started a business Mm -hmm. from scratch in a spare bedroom or in a, in a, you know, in a garage, because that's what you do in the US, isn't it? In the UK, you do it in your bedroom. In the, in the US, right, you do it right. in your garage. Our garages are a bit smaller here. Um, you know, I've started a business from mm-hmm. from a bedroom. And um, those first couple of years, a lot of people get stuck in this for decades. Yes. It's like you're trapped in your own head to a certain extent. So you're talking about investing in the business and thinking about growing and, and, and making it a big thing. I think there is a, there is a fundamental leap that you need to make as a business owner to go from being it's me and two or three techs and we're trying to win some work and we're trying to get cash flow and we're just trying to balance the books. And Did you see that there was a point for you and and, and Terry, your business Mm partner, husband where where you did transition from, I guess it's from survival to actually thinking differently about the business and thinking about, about growth?
0: It's interesting. Thinking back to that time eight years ago when we said, we're gonna try to solve for this or at least try to add some sort of value to the channel. We didn't start it from the garage, actually. We could have um, because we knew that it was going to grow fast due to the need that was in the space. We said, we're gonna rent a space, and so we did. We rented our very first space, and that took us from year one and two. And so we went from the two of us to about 25 in our first space. And I just told this story yesterday, actually, to the new team members here in the U.K., that we walked into that building and it was just the two of us, it could fit about 25. And we had friends that would come because they were just interested to see what we were doing now, what's going on, I wanna see this space. So they would come and we would get, content team is gonna be over there, the designers are gonna be over there, this is gonna be over here, and they looked at us like we're crazy. Because there was no one in the office, it was just us. And and sure enough, within you know that two year time span, or about a year and a half actually, it went from two to 25. And, and the reality is, is because there was such a need, and I think the only difference between what you were just mentioning and I think between the mindset that Terry and I came into it as, is that I I believe a lot of business owners go into having a business or solving for something because they have a massive passion for it, but they have never necessarily run a business, right? So just because you're good at a craft doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna be good at the back end, right? The legal, the finance, the, the administration, the HR. So there's so many pieces that go into it. For us, luckily, Terry has owned I think it's about 10 businesses already. First one starting when he was 14 years old. So he already has that mindset. I've always been more entrepreneurial and wanted to start a portfolio of businesses. That was always the goal. So when we went into it, we went into it with a very rapid growth mindset. So I don't know that at that phase, we had the hurdle to get over that said, are we gonna change this from a hobby and a passion into a business? Because we started off going, there's a massive need. This is going to be a quick moving business. We just need to go. But I do think that many MSPs have that, where where they do start it as a, as a business that they want to solve for and help other businesses, and they're good at it. They left a, a tech company or they left somewhere. They have the skill set to do it from a technical or a support or a service perspective. But running a business is very different. Mm-hmm. So I think the the hurdles that they get over or that we got over, right, you, you hire for the things that you don't have right no one's perfect no one has all the skill sets so you've got to be able to be humble enough to identify those right and then and then hire for it and get the best and the brightest that you can same thing with msps we did that from an agency perspective we did that building the agency building all the support that we needed building tella um from an msp perspective they do it with outsourcing or partnering for the things that they may not be so great at right so getting that cpa that you need outsourcing um some of your hr responsibilities outsourcing some of your marketing um, items so just make Making sure that you're complementing your natural skill set with what your gaps are in the business and being humble enough to do that. Mm-hmm. I think you and I see that many times in MSPs. There's a psychological barrier to get through when you want something you want to grow, but there's things you have to do to get there, yes. right? You can't have a touch on everything anymore. You've got to have, loosen up the control a little bit, let someone else help you. You've got to be able to recognize that investment. There's a lot of mental barriers to get over, um, but when you are fully <laughs> focused on growth like that, um, like Terry and I were in the beginning, and like I think many MSPs are right now you will get over those hurdles and do what you need to do in order to grow
1: yeah I agree with you that, that more MSPs seem to be focused on this right now than, than ever before and I've only been in this market for six years mm-hmm. but even in that six years it's, there's been a, a, a what feels like a fundamental mindset yes. mindset shift yesterday I sat in a I have a peer group um, of MSPs that I meet with here in the UK and yesterday uh, and this is so funny because I know he'll be listening to this podcast <laughs> and he'll know um, Owen you know I'm talking about you one of the MSPs I work with um, fairly new into the journey a few years in it's just taken on big office space and we had a big discussion about about growing into that office space mm-hmm. and and the, you know the costs are under control which is which is good but we we were saying exactly this that look you know you've got a great mindset you 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 you're not just running a business to make a living you want to grow and do something amazing you will you will grow into this space and and i can see exactly yeah. the same thing from from you and from terry right i want to just pause us talking about business and business growth because later on i want to talk about marketopia how it's grown because you've grown incredibly fast. You've 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 done a lot of amazing things. But what I want to talk about first of all is marketing because that's what it says on the on the lid is it's the it's the MSP marketing podcast. So you you do marketing with vendors mm-hmm. uh, for vendors. You do marketing for MSPs. You have I think uniquely a a, a view of the whole market. And now, both in the US and in the UK, and I bet you work uh, internationally as well, I bet you'll tell me that. So, I think more than than many other marketing people out there, you you actually know what's really working right now and what's not working. So, um, what are the things that are working right now? Is it still LinkedIn? You know, is it still about getting your website right? Is there still a place for email marketing, for example, anymore?
0: From the MSP side, what is working is obviously first, once you get over that mental barrier and you really start to go to market, the items that that MSPs can do to build out their own thought leadership and awareness locally, that's what helps them get referral partners because they built up a personal brand originally, right? But once we mature from referral partners, which is the goal, um, it, it's no different, right? That's a personal brand. That's a reputation. So that's all marketing is. It's taking your story and taking who you are and spreading it around, and so that worked locally from one-to-one relationships. That's the same thing online and digital. So absolutely, LinkedIn is still the most powerful social network for B2B, in my opinion, right now. Um, additionally, for MSPs, because they're localized, Facebook can also be a really huge lead gen engine for them because you never know who someone you're connected to knows, and if you share a little bit about your business, maybe from a personal perspective, because that's Facebook, you can still generate a massive amount of leads from your personal Facebook page. Also, so there's a lot to be done in social media. Absolutely,
1: social media is only a distribution platform, isn't it? So what you said there about sharing something about your business, you, you've got to you've got to be more personal with it. Would you say?
0: Yeah. So if if you're on, I look at each of the social platforms as different worlds, right? So. If if you're on Facebook, that world is to keep up with people that you have known throughout your life or to build a deeper, more personal relationship, is really what it's intended for, and to share out information. So you're gonna share more personal things there. That's really the heart of who you are. So Facebook is your heart. So you share things about your family, things about your friends. It allows you to have a deeper relationship. And then when you share about your business, it would be about maybe something that you're proud of in your business, an award that you've accomplished, how your business has impacted your family, things along those lines. That's what you share in there. That allows, though, people that are connected to you to understand what your business is, but you're not selling them on your business. They then put together the pieces of, oh, that's interesting. I know so-and-so owns an IT company, maybe they need help and they'll connect the dots for you. Now, LinkedIn is the boardroom. So I call LinkedIn the boardroom. That is, you're gonna share the same things you would in an office space. You're gonna share the credentials that you have. You're gonna share thought leadership. You're gonna go there to get educated. You're gonna go there to educate. And so that's LinkedIn. And so being a thought leader in LinkedIn is really powerful as well because you're looked at as the expert and due to that I always say if you're doing a good job in LinkedIn, the leads are coming to you. Often, I think the mistake in LinkedIn is that a lot of emails are sent and people are overselling. That's not what LinkedIn is for. So LinkedIn is for sharing, right? You're sharing, but you're sharing from a business perspective. If you're doing it right, the emails will come to you. They will understand what you do. They're going to trust you because of the content that you've shared out. And they're going to send you a note that says, oh, you know what, Paul, can you help me with that? Because I saw this really great thing that you you posted the other day. Could we talk? That's how LinkedIn works, and I can't tell you how many emails, even from a Marketopia perspective, we've gotten because people can understand what we do and come to us when they need it through LinkedIn. Now that's just social media. The, the other side you asked about is email. There's always going to be a place for email, at least still right now. Email is a, a way to share information and keep your brand in someone's inbox. Uh, again, you don't ever want to be over salesy, but, but sharing information and, and adding value is what any marketing piece is all about. So, email absolutely absolutely still works for MSPs. Um, Tela still works for MSPs. We do, obviously, outbound calling and appointment setting. The best, though, is to warm it up through emails, through you know ads, through SEO. There's a lot of things that you can do to get your awareness out there. Then following up with a call is amazing. So a mix of, of all of this, as well as going back to old school Targeted accounts. A lot of MSPs many times, they're so in that referral partner business, they forget that it only takes a second to sit down and say, who am I really trying to strike up a partnership with here locally? Just a list of 10 and then think of really strategic ways to do account-based marketing against those 10. And it's the simple things that end up working. So it's a layered marketing approach, but if you layer them all together, it works really, really well for MSPs. Yes. And the vendor side is completely different, um, but but it's, there's a lot over there as well, yeah. uh, enabling their um, MSPs to grow. So still with MDF, that hasn't gone away just yet. So MDF is still out there. Uh, vendors really are trying to find more savvy ways to enable partners through the ability to not only give them funding if they're top tier partners, um, but then also provide the best agencies for the partners to be able to pair with. As well as you know the real savvy vendors right now that I'm seeing, they have their program, they have their automation system for the partners to go and utilize. But the real savvy ones are helping even another step. They're actually generating leads for the partner and serving the leads up to the partner. And it's working really, really well for many vendors.
1: Yeah, oh, that's wonderful. There's a couple of things there I want to sure. just pick up on. First of all, I don't think anyone ever has had an in mail, like a sponsored LinkedIn <laughs> mail, and thought, oh goody, you know, who's who's emailing me? Yeah. That's that's never happened. Um the second thing you mentioned about. About targeted accounts. And yeah. um, there is, of course, a great book on this, which I know that you've read, which is The Ultimate Sales Machine yeah. by Chet Holmes. And his way of describing that is your dream 100. So who are the 100 yeah. prospects in your area or in your niche, your niche that you most want to work with? And, and then you, you, you treat those people like they're the most special people in the world. And if you haven't read that book, go read that book, The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes. Let's just pick up on, on MDF just briefly, sure. and then i have a, another question to ask you. So MDF, of course, standing for Marketing Development Funds. Mm-hmm most of the big vendors have put aside astonishingly large amounts of, of cash to invest into their partners, as in MSPs, marketing. So I imagine you as a, as a business marketopia dips into MDF as often as it can, because it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a win-win-win, isn't it? Yes. You win because you get some paid work. The MSP works wins because they, they, they've had their marketing funded. And obviously, the vendor wins because they see increased sales and they see a, a greater partnership. What's stopping MSPs from accessing more MDF?
0: Stopping from accessing and stopping from using MDF, I think are two different things. The stopping from accessing MDF, I think many MSPs are so busy in their day to day. And I think marketing is already a hard enough hurdle mentally to say, oh, you know, that's not my forte Not have to go over and get into it is, is one thing. So I think many MSPs don't even really know or understand in some cases how to go about receiving MDF from their vendors. Some have it and don't even know it. Um, there, there are often MDF allotments given, unused by the billions, right? There's there's billions and billions of dollars that go unused every year from MDF. But I think it's the accessing it, so so knowing how to go about that process. Uh, we help with that, and I'm sure you do too. Um, we help with help getting them to understand, okay, this is a vendor, because they're not all the same. So this vendor, you actually have to come up with a plan and get it approved in order to get the funding from them. Others, you're already given it based on your tier of partnership with them and how much you're already selling through of that of that solution or or of that vendor partner. Um, so I think it's the education on how to get it is is one hurdle to accessing it. Um, the other is there's there's so much admin that goes into it for a lot of these uh, very mature vendors as well. So I think it's looked at as a headache in some cases from partners. Um, But that's where companies like us come in where we can help with that. We can help facilitate that. Um, But I think accessing is one, so understanding how to access, understanding how to use it, and then knowing what to use it on. I think many don't use it even if they know how to access it because they don't know what what to use it on. Or it's a co-funded of marketing development where you have to also pay. They're gonna give you 10K, but then you have to you have to actually pay 10K also. Sure. Right. And so so it's it's a co-funded, a co-funded event. And so I think sometimes that's a little hard too for MSPs to invest that in themselves, even if half of it is getting paid for. So I, I think that there's more than enough out there for MSPs to to go and get. And I would urge any MSP to absolutely do that because there's so much funding out there. Vendors want you to win and they're providing for you to win. And if you need a partner to do that, go find a partner to help you facilitate it. Um, And then when you go to spend it, do it strategically. Do it in such a way that your vendor partner will be be proud through the ROI that you're showing on how you use the funds so you'll get more and then also that it generates leads for you. I see oftentimes partners who do know how to receive it, get it, do know what they want to spend it on, but they may spend it on something that might not be really driving home. What they need to be doing right then for awareness or for lead generation. Yeah. So it's okay to get someone to consult with you and figure out what's best and, and how to use it to grow the business the most. Yeah, no,
1: completely. And I, I don't get involved with MDF actually. Okay, um, okay. Um, we, uh, it's something we, we try and stay away from. But I, I do say to, to any MSPs I'm working with, if you're going to get MDF, it's going to be easy for you if you can find an agency to work with. I don't work with closely with vendors, so I can probably say stuff you can't because you do work closely with vendors. Sometimes vendors come at it from the wrong angle and they'll look at it and they'll say, right, we've got. A target to sell, you know, 500,000 extra whatever it is. Here's some MDF. We want you to go out there and put the message out that you should be selling XYZ solution. And the reality is, ordinary business owners and managers don't think, you know, wake up in the morning and think, oh, if only someone came along today with a so and so software firewall solution. It's so much better invested in helping the MSP, as you say, generate leads, warm them up. And then, as part of the technology stack, they include the, the vendor's product. You're smiling at me. So, yeah. clearly, you know this. A lot of vendors have problems getting their head around the fact that they are not the front end sale, but hey, you, if you want the sales, you know that you bundle it in with everything you're selling. Right. Next question. I want to um, draw back the veil of mystery over a marketing agency. So I've I've been in professional marketing since 2005 when I first started my agency. You've been doing it for a lot longer, and and you, you know you you clearly know what you're doing. It's very easy for us to forget that ordinary MSPs who are listening to this podcast see marketing as a dark art, and actually, Actually in the same way that you and I, as non-tech people, yeah. might see technology as a, <laughs> as a dark art, so I come to you today and I say, uh, Andrew, I, I, I run an MSP. I want to do some lead gen. You, and you touched on this earlier. You touched about picking up the phone and whatsoever. I want to have two or three decent conversations a week on a video call with a prospect where I can then choose if I want to go forward with them without giving away any secret source that sure. the Marketopia has. Not that I think there will be. I think you just do some gut feel. I think you do some basic things mm-hmm. very, very well. What would you actually do to, to generate leads from my MSP? So talk me through the steps so that an MSP could replicate those steps.
0: One of the things that we do is assess the business to begin with. So looking at the growth goals for the MSP. So if that MSP came to us and said, we really want to grow and we think to do that, we're going to need three leads a month to just have a really good conversation with. Now, we would back up from there because this does happen. They'll come to us and and they'll have the numbers and they'll have, you know, the, the type of conversations that they want to have. And we'll back up a couple steps and we'll analyze the business. So we go through many portions of the business. Everything from where the revenue stands today, how much of that is reoccurring or not, what the revenue goals are for the next following year, how many clients the partner has, what a an average um, client is worth to the partner, how long that client typically stays with the partner, all these variables, their close ratio, all these variables are so important to understand what a lead is worth to that business. So for instance, it sometimes isn't as easy as just saying, yep, I want three, unless you know that if you get three, you have a close ratio that's gonna close however many out of those, because a conversation is not always a close, right? So, If you get three, you've gotta have a close ratio that's gonna get you however many actual closed deals, given your average for a client, for your business which is different for all MSPs what does that mean to you so we go through that cycle and maybe 3 it may not be and maybe they may need 25 to get 3 mm. based on their close ratio so so we go through this process and we and we also really really help MSPs understand how if they do retain clients and if they are really good at doing that that when you look at what you have to spend for a lead if you close that lead, you're actually spending such a small amount with regard to how much that is actually worth to you in the long run. So many MSPs are wonderful at what they do. They can keep clients for 10 years. So so a, a spending a few thousand dollars on a lead is actually really worth it in the long run. So back to your original question, what would I say to someone? If we did deem that they've great at sales and they only need three conversations a month um, in order to maybe close one of those, um, what we do is, is really is really go into what they already have internally let's say this individual is, is well-known locally. They've got a good reputation, right? We don't need to go backwards and start doing things from scratch. Let's say they've got a good website. They, they really just need help with uh, closing deals. The owner is also the closer and the opener, and they're just trying to build and they're at a plateau. And we analyze that and we say, okay, great. Well, where's your time best spent? Every owner typically falls to one side or the other. They're either the service engineer mindset, or they're the salesperson that actually isn't that great at service. So we analyze that. Or which one are you? And let's keep you where you're best. And then let's complement that with whatever you actually need. So if it's more of a, an engineer closing mindset, well, let's get you someone on the front end that can open up that deal for you. So typically we would align um, some sort of a telesales rep in order to do that. Um, we'll analyze the data. Do you have a database internally? Do you need us to get you one? And um, what does that look like? And so we would attach some sort of a data element to it. And then we go through what they do or don't have internally. Do you have an email automation system? Let's just say in this example, no. Um, so we'll couple on top of it what they need to grow. So I would say we typically if we're going to do a, a multiple layer plan, we've got plans that have social media included emails to prospects and current clients for upsell cross sell um, awareness campaigns that go out content that we create. Um, and mean, we keep that back end going and then complementing that with tele to get the leads needed. And so we'd apply a full-time teleperson, as well as some of this marketing, and all of a sudden you'll get those leads every single month. Now, sometimes you have some of those pieces and you don't need all of it. So we also do other plans where it's just you know going out and doing a, Deeper dive into SEO so you can get more organic and you're not just relying on referral partners. Um, and then also the other side of that is is making sure from a paid ad perspective, depending on the market that you're in, because that's another big piece. Every market is different. A small town in Nebraska is going to be very different from what works with marketing versus New York City. So, we analyze that as well, so it's not necessarily a one-size-fits-all, um, but we go into that so that we can figure out exactly what that partner needs to grow. And then based on what they're trying to grow to, we let them know how many leads they're going to need to do that and build a plan to facilitate it.
1: Yeah. So, it's essentially, it is doing the, a lot of the marketing basics that Absolutely. we have talked about on this podcast week after, <laughs> week, after yeah. week after week, yeah. but, but you're doing them You're doing them really well and you're doing them properly. And that, of course, is the benefit of outsourcing to an agency. Definitely. Let's talk about Marketopia's growth. So. Sure. Um, can I share the figure that you told me before the interview about how many staff you have? Sure. So, how many staff do you have?
0: So we're around with, including both teams now. Um, all the teams were about 175 total.
1: Are you mad? <laughs> That's my I idea. Don't of, think so. it's my idea of personal hell having having that many staff. And you you were actually telling me that you obviously you you, you no longer manage day to day manage the business, and you, you can't with 170 people. So let's, let's talk about this from an entrepreneurial point sure. of view. You seem it seemed like Marketopia came out of nowhere. <laughs> And often when something just comes out of nowhere, it means that someone's done a lot of hard work over a number of years. And you mentioned earlier, it's, it's been an eight year journey. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you clearly, you guys set this up with an intention to do something and to have an impact and, and to build it into to something incredible. The stage that you're at now where you've got a professional management team in place and you're at a position to actually go and acquire a business, you know, a substantial business in another country, which is insane for most people to think about. What are the most critical things that you and Terry have had to put into place and execute over the last couple of years?
0: The place we are now is, it's amazing. It's where we want to be going. And to be honest with you, we both, Terry and I, feel like we've only scratched the surface. There's so much needed in this space. And there's, we're so incredibly passionate about helping these companies grow that we, we're not stopping anytime soon. We really, really, really want to make sure that we're going where the need is, which is actually the reason for, for this acquisition, the need and the desire for companies to continue to grow across the globe and want for an agency that lives in both places. So servicing locally from the States, being based out of Florida, servicing locally from EMEA, being based out of London is very helpful to the client. So it's, it's one of those things I think as an entrepreneur, as you're mapping out where you want the business to go, the need has to be there. I think when entrepreneurs get in trouble sometimes is when they want there to be a need because they're so passionate about something that they come up with a business and they go out and they launch it and then they wonder why no one is buying anything from them. And it's because the need wasn't there. Whereas it just so happens that we're blessed that there was a need with something we were passionate about. So it kind of matches up with each other very, very nicely. But with what you were sharing, you know, as you build out, and and it's not the same today as it was in the beginning, when we started, it was Terry and I. We were sales and service, and I think one of the things that we've been able to do a, a decent job of, or at least we tried very hard, is keeping the lines very clear from both of us, what we're working on, partnering very, very well, and playing off of each other's strengths. We're very similar in a lot of ways, and we're extremely different in a lot of ways, and I think that that has really led to the ability to grow in the way that we have, and, and continue to lean on each other's strengths as we grow. In the beginning, it was us doing everything obviously and then you bring in one person then you bring in you know some junior level individuals maybe some middle management maybe some leaders after that now we're to the point where we're 175 team members and we're very lucky to have leadership in place from an executive standpoint. It's not just the two of us at the table. We have a leadership team, which is amazing. We've got upper level management and directors. We've got mid-level management. We've got you know individual contributors. And having the ability to have a structure that supports the growth we're attempting to to create throughout the world is extremely important. Without that, if, if it was too reliant on, let's say, he and I, and we hadn't built that foundation, it, Oftentimes, you find yourself in in a situation where you can't scale, right? Yes. So, so having these amazingly smart individuals around us, and um, it's a bigger picture than the two of us now. It's yeah. it's way bigger than us, and and that's what we wanted, right? So it becomes more fun, and there's more people to celebrate with. There's more people to do things with, and um, and it it's it's a, more of an impact can be made. Yes,
1: yes, and if we look at acquisition, which lots of MSPs think about acquisition. And obviously, you've, you've just acquired a business. I'm in the process of buying a, a much smaller business as a, as a side project outside of technology. The agency you acquired here in London is called Continuity. And um, very, quite a well-respected agency, relatively new to the, to the scene in, in, you know, in agency terms. But you've certainly, you, I think you've acquired some good people here. Yeah. That's, that's, my, that's my gut feel. And uh, they, can, they can pay me later for, for that. You should give them all pay rises, Andra. You don't have to, really. And there's a level of fear I think when you do something for the first time for you to buy a business that that you 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 don't really know what you're buying as much as you can do your due diligence mm-hmm. you know and you can look at reputation and you can meet with the people I think until you actually get in you don't really know what what sure. you're buying and you're buying it you know I don't know how many thousand miles we are from Tampa here mm-hmm. but we, we're some distance from Tampa so it's not like you can just hop in the car and just drive 30 minutes down the road talk me through how you've overcome that fear because what what you've done here is is something that big businesses do mm-hmm. often because they have a, a huge amount of infrastructure in place to uh, mitigate that risk, and if it goes wrong, you know again the risk is is mitigated. Um, t- talk me through how you and Terry. Um, well, w- w- was the plan to acquire, or was it an opportunity that that just came up that you couldn't miss? Uh, and how did you, in your minds and in your emotions, because I'm guessing you think about business seven days a week, yes. twenty four hours a day, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is the downside of being married to your to your business partner. Yeah. Uh, but how how did you reach that point where emotionally you were comfortable with this next level event?
0: Every year we put together our goals obviously for the year. And now we do that with our executive team. It used to just be the two of us. One of the goals we had for 2020 was to put in London on the ground, local support for EMEA clients. Mm -hmm. Now back to what we chatted about a moment ago, which is making sure the need is there. It wasn't just because we both love London, which I do. It's one of my favorite cities in the world. It was because there's a need. So current clients, were interested in us supporting locally in other places and if that need wasn't there, there's more than enough business to do in the States. We could have stayed in the States for years and been just fine, but clients really were interested in what it could look like to get support across the globe. And as you know, many of the heads of channel live in one place or the other and they head channel globally. So wouldn't it be nice to have one company that you interface with and partner with that can support you and your partners in both places. So that was really what drove it. Now, 2020 happened, and we all know what happened in yep. 2020. So, so we really did not think that the plan we initially had in place to start a, a company in EMEA was going to happen in that year. And sure enough, it didn't. But it happened in Q1 of 2021. So it only took us a couple months later. And in March of 2021, we stood up our first office here, which was for tele support, local tele support. It's a big part of our business, tele support, and that's the you know closing the leads created by the marketing uh, that happens and and setting those appointments, we started that in March of 2021, stood that up during the pandemic with great individuals that helped with that during that time. And the idea was always when the need came to build an agency around that and model it after the same type of structure we have in the states. We didn't really have a timeline on that, um, but we knew that at some point in time it was it would make sense. So for the next couple of years, we'd actually go ahead and build that out. Fast forward not too much longer. Um about eight months ago at this point, I get a LinkedIn message, back to the power of LinkedIn. I get a LinkedIn message from a co-founder of a company in the UK. And he says, you know, I'd love to chat with you. You know, I know about your company, I'd love to just jump on a call and and chat. We partner with many companies that do marketing and lead generation or consulting or you know associations. There's there's a lot of strength in partnership when you have similar skill sets. So I'm thinking this conversation will be about partnership. And, and sure enough it was. And um, It started off as potentially a, an ability for us to help them and supplement services that were not necessarily here locally. Um, so they have an agency or they have an agency in the team but didn't do tele. So the first initial thought was we could absolutely help supplement that for you. And we have those resources because we opened them up in the UK already. You can tap into those while you're providing your marketing. The conversation morphed from that into just something bigger. It was, we were already planning to come over here. The Continuity team, which is the company that we recently acquired, Continuity had been building the marketing agency for two and a half years. And they were trying to figure out if they were gonna start tele or if they were gonna partner with someone to do tele. We were already gonna build an agency. So the more we discussed this, and the more back to your point of good people, they're amazing people. It made such perfect sense to just become one team.
1: So essentially, there was no fear because all the things seemed to be right. So if you if you were to advise an MSP who is looking at buying a local competitor or you know putting putting together through acquisition two two or three MSPs, would you say to them to make it a personal thing, to make it about personal conversations, or to to slow it down? What would your advice be to someone else?
0: I think in any acquisition, it's extremely important to make sure that 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 the fundamentals of the business align with the fundamentals of your business that you currently have. And I mean this from a, a couple different perspectives. When you are buying a business, you're building a different type of relationship, right? It's almost like a marriage, right? You're bringing them into your world. Everything has to line up. And so does that culture align with the culture that you currently have? Will that fit inside of your current business model? With some MSPs, if you're acquiring other companies in other regions, maybe that's not as big of a deal um, if they're not going to be local with each other. But I think at the end of the day, any business, you run on morals, values, principles, and they have to align with anyone that's coming inside of the business. So I think from a cultural perspective, it's extremely important that it makes sense. And and that absolutely aligned with what um, the continuity team has. It's actually very ironic how similar the businesses are. And um, they're just in, they're two and a half years in, we're just in the future yeah. um, for, the, for them. Yeah. So I think culturally is one thing, financially is another. You really have to go through the business as you're doing your due diligence and understand um, where the business is at how they're structured. Do do you want the business owners to stay in the business or not? How does the current team structure look? Will it work within what you already have? And, and and really make sure, too, that the product set aligns. Sometimes that's really difficult. You have to operationally integrate once you become one company. But then, too, the product set. What does that learning curve look like if you're either changing product sets or you're morphing or standardizing things across the board? So look into every single bit of it. And then make sure, too, that that partnership makes sense if they are staying on. In our case, the leaders are amazing. We really adore them. And they are staying on board. And their team is wonderful. They've done a great job building it. And it just it works so perfectly with what we were building. Um, So we're kind of showing them the future because Marketopia is a few years ahead of them. But then also they are giving us two and a half years really quickly. So, we didn't have to build it here in the UK yes. over the next two and yes. a half years. So, it, it was a very much a win-win. Yeah,
1: which is the beauty of acquisition anyway, isn't it? Which is you, you, you jump forward. Um, Andrew, I could talk to you all day, know, um, my but you've got meetings. And, <laughs> and I know you fly back to Tampa tomorrow. Yes. So, um, thank you so much for your time. Uh, before we finish, um, this might not work. This is a bit of a gamble this bit because right. it's, it's a comedy one. Britishism. So, you're now the US owner of a, of a British business. So, let, let me see if I can help you. Get the colloquialisms okay. right. This, this, I can just tell this isn't going to work. <laughs> so, um, team's done a good job. What would you say to them?
0: Well done, or if they've done a good job, great work.
1: Great work. Okay, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change any of that for the British. Okay. All right. How about uh, um, what would be a rallying cry to get get your team all motivated up?
0: I don't even know. Why? What would you say okay, for? Well, a rally? I'll,
1: I'll give you one. Tally ho! Oh,
0: I, Ta- okay. Tally ho! Okay, okay. But you have
1: to say it in a posh action. So you can practice if you want. Can, yes. can you do tally ho?
0: Tally ho! Well,
1: that's that's very good. That's very good. Do you know what? I think we'll stop it there. We're not gonna we're not gonna beat Tally ho. We might
0: not be that different, actually. Maybe we realize we're not that I think, different. I think,
1: okay. I think you're right. I think, apart from the chips crisps yes, thing, yes. which is just weird. That one is. But, um, Andrew, thank you very much. Just give us give us the thirty second rundown of what Marketopia can do to help an MSP, and finish with your website address.
0: If you're an MSP or a vendor looking to grow, that's what we help with. And we can help you from wherever you are at. So we'll meet you where you're at. We have products in our portfolio that can help all the way down from something extremely affordable, um, you know, $20 a month, all the way up to extremely custom, um, which are obviously much more larger budgets, but we're here to help. And and we do everything from lead generation and marketing to we have a community. We have a marketplace that will be coming out. So stay tuned for that. I'll come on again next year to talk about that with you. Um, but we're just, we're here to help. So if you need help from any, regard- and um, visit us, we're marketopia.com and, and we, we look forward to talking with you.
1: Coming up next week.
0: Hey everybody, I'm Heather
1: Harless from jumpcloud.com. Next week I'll be on the episode to talk about really the
0: human element of business and why people matter.
1: We'll also be talking next week about why you must put in place a strategic referral deal with a local web agency. It's all to do with the way ordinary people think about computers and technology. You and I know that websites and managed services are two completely different things, but ordinary business owners and managers lump them together in their head. And that's good news for you and the web agency, because it means you can actually have a ton of referrals to pass to each other. I'll explain my thinking on that one and how you'd actually put that in place in next week's show. We're also going to be talking about LinkedIn's social selling index. It's something that you can use to check out how well you're doing on LinkedIn. I'll explain what it is and the benefits of working on it in the show next week. But on Thursday, the show about the show. It's called Another Bite, and you can join me and host Sophie Law as we discuss some of the things that Andra and I were talking about in today's special. So please do subscribe to us on YouTube and also on the podcast platform that you prefer. Join me next Tuesday and have a very profitable week in your MSP. Made in the UK for MSPs around the world. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast.